1: This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. Welcome to Purpose Driven Sobriety. Okay, here we go. You ready? Yes, already. Okay, all right. <laughs> Thank you for joining the Purpose Driven Sobriety Podcast. My name is Christine and I'm an alcoholic. Um, I would like to thank today's sponsor, Ms. Tiffany D. Um, she is a, uh, a dear friend of mine here in the Waco area. She's in the program and she is amazing and supports um, all the things that we're doing, the, the nutso, uh, nutso things that we're doing as far as this podcast and stuff goes. But sh- T- Tiffany, thank you so much. I love you, sister. Um, well, today. We have on Miss Nicole. How are you, ma'am? You know, I'm pretty fantastic. Hey, well, you know what? That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Um, Nicole and I ran into each other. I think on. Well, no, um, we have a mutual friend, Miss Rachel, and um, which I met met Rachel through who, which she's got the um, the the sobriety page um, addict with purpose. Um, which is she's just doing amazing things with – she's just a phenomenal warrior for recovery. So I think she was our connection, and um, I'm so glad that she she made that connection. So on the show, Nicole, we just – basically tell what it was like what happened and what we're like now um just to reach that person who still suffers you know we just we have to keep telling our stories um so that we can we can help others out of that darkness so without further ado tell me all the things about miss
0: nicole oh goodness well thank you for having me um and thank you to rachel a little shout out to rachel she is a warrior um I'm super glad I've I've come in contact with her. And what I'm about to tell you is going to lead me into how I met Rachel on what I'm doing today. Um, So Nicole, Nicole is from Chicago, Illinois. Um, I grew up in, well, actually, the Burbs. Um, Just kind of a middle class uh, neighborhood. I have two parents. They're still together. They've been married, oh, gosh, now 42 years. Um and um it was it was just a really um it was a great neighborhood to grow up in. We, I grew up on a block that you could play tag in the middle of the night and all the parents knew where everybody's kids were and and um everybody was watching out for everyone and it was really cool. Um as a child I was very precocious. Um <laughs> Um, I f- had big, big feelings. Um, I didn't have words for them, but I had big feelings and I come from a background that's more subdued in your feelings and things like that. So, um, I think my, my poor parents, I really gave them a run for their money. <laughs> um, my, my addiction really began when I was a child. Um, I was really sensitive to like loud noises, textures, things like that. And how I found comfort was food. Um, my mom tells me as, as young as like three years old, and this is super embarrassing, but, um, I would go for the craft singles in the fridge and go and hide in my room and eat. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and craft singles are disgusting. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, craft. As a child, yeah, they're not that though. Like three times. I don't know if that's a lot, but, but they're not great. I've, I've my cheese. Uh, my my palate for cheese has definitely improved <laughs> over the years. Then. Yeah, um, I love you, craft. You do other things. <laughs> that's right. Anyway, so. Um, so, you know, that was my comfort, you know, when I, when I didn't have the words or folks didn't have the the words to give me, um, or know how to deal with me, I hid and I eat and that's how I, I changed my thought pattern. Um, so growing up, I did okay in school. I was like one of those middle of the road kids that did, um, very well in school, but not well enough to like, I didn't try hard enough to be on honor roll, um, there were a few times they tried to um well let me just say I had a hard time paying attention and um but I was smart I didn't have a learning disability but they still thought that you know if I possibly went with the ADD diagnosis that I might do better and my mom was really adamant about me not um taking medication Um, so, um, that is, I'm not going to state my opinion on that. Um, that's neither here nor there, but, um, I've always just, I've just had a little bit of a struggle when it comes to keeping things all together because I feel all the things. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, around like 12 or 13, I started experimenting with marijuana, um, and I wanted to do the most. I wanted to get as high I wanted as I could. I wanted to escape as far as I could, um, and I also found it like kind of a gateway to making friends. So, you know, as kids are changing and 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 growing into different groups and activities and stuff, and I really still didn't find a way to fit in. I fit in with the marijuana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So I continued on that route. I I tried a lot of things as far as like extracurricular activities, but I just had never any follow through. Um, I get hyper focused on something and do really, really well with it. And then something would distract me and I would just, you know, my confidence, I would lose confidence in it. And um, I went to hair school um, in high school. Um, I went to school for medical assisting. I didn't finish that. Uh, but I did well while I was in it. So probably, um, then the high school. well, we'll go back. Sorry. At 15 years old, um, um, I, I was not comfortable in my home because of my feelings and, and my poor parents, like I said, didn't know how to relate to me. Um, I was trying every different, um, genre to be about. Um, it was either like one minute I was goth one minute. I was, you know, uh, jock one minute. I was that. And, and I'm sorry if I'm all over the place. I'm really trying to stay no, you're linear fine. with you're the fine. story. um, um, you know, they just didn't understand it and they didn't agree with it. Um, one occasion, like I said, I was smoking marijuana at the time. Um, one, on one occasion, my mom found my stash and she went in my room and, and she was so frustrated with it. And and, a, and her way of coping with her fear, which what I believe it was, is to break all my CDs and, and tear down all my posters and throw them all out of the room and, and tell me how you know how disgusting and what a shame I was to the family. And um, so that sent a real clear message to me that it wasn't safe to talk to my parents about drug use. Mm. Um, now, were you an only child? Oh no! I so I have an older brother. He's two and a half years older. Than okay, I
1: am. okay, gotcha. And
0: he was doing all these things too. He just got away with it. He was just better at it. <laughs> yeah, he was just better at hiking it, right? So, um, yeah. So and and you know, the parents are different with, with girls than they are yes, boys. They are, you know, mm-hmm. that's just how it is. Um, I get it. And and they just didn't have the experience with you know, with what I needed. So that's how they reacted. And so um, I rebelled. I did everything I could to not be home. Um, I got a job. I worked, you know, I got a work permit at 15. Um, and then um, my one summer, this, well, the summer that I was uh, 14, my uncle, so I'm going back year. my uncle and aunt they needed a babysitter for the summer. And um, they said, you know, if, if Nikki could just come stay with us, that would be helpful instead of us getting up with her, you know, and getting her earlier in the morning. So I did. I went and stayed with them. Well, um, my aunt was probably only about seven or eight years older than me. Um, she's younger than my uncle. So, I mean, she was early 20s, um, and, um, you know, she was more like a pal than an aunt. Um, she wasn't much of a drinker or anything, but, um, you know, there were occasions where she'd, they'd buy some wine coolers, and we'd all sit and drink, and she went to bed really early with them. my uncle. He stayed up, and I'd sit and drink with them, and I just thought it was, you know, the feeling that I got the change, the psychic change that I received from alcohol um, was magic. Mm. It's like, that's what I was looking for my whole life to feel comfortable in my skin. You know, I could sit and talk. I could tell big stories. I could, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't feel like I sounded stupid anymore, you know? Um, So like I ran with that. Well, One night, he brought around some cocaine. And, you know, I'd seen Pulp Fiction. I was like, oh, that looked like like a good time in addition to alcohol. Like, you know, why not? If he's doing it, it must be good. So um, I used cocaine with him. And um, we would do it, like, every night you know, it got to be, it would be every other night and then it became every night. And, um, he started, he started making me feel uncomfortable at one point and, um, being inappropriate. Um, and I would just like quickly try and like get his attention off of me and say, Hey, let's do some more cocaine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that's where we went with that. And, um, He did, you know, he did molest me. Um, And it was, I didn't know how to feel about it because, I mean, now I have words for it. But, you know, at the time I wanted to do the cocaine. I didn't want to go home. I wanted to drink and I couldn't do any of that at home. But, you know, I, I rationalized it was a small price to pay for having the drugs and alcohol,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, and if I could just disassociate, which the drugs and alcohol surely. Right. Help me do that. Um, I couldn't, I didn't have to think about it. I would just enjoy my high and my drunk and, um, and just pretend it didn't happen in the morning, you know? And if I drank enough, I could blot it out. Blackout. Yeah. Right, so uh, the summer ended, I get home, um, I never told my mom about it, um, any of it, because prior, years prior, my uncle had done this to um, his wife's, uh, his sister-in-law, his his wife's younger sister, and they all put a lot of shame and blame on her, and said, well, they were doing drugs together, and she wanted it, she wanted it, you know, and God, I'm not going to go... I'm not going to say anything about it. Mm -hmm. So anyhow, um, I get back home. And and, um, so we start school back up in high school. I start German class um, with the promise of going to Germany. And then I did pretty well. Uh, At one point, there was we could sell chocolates, little advent calendars to raise money. So I did, I sold a ton of them. Well, then the German teacher uh, retired and we were no longer going to Germany. So um, I chose to to take that money and buy um, cocaine from my uncle. And I got my friend to do it. And I remember we were in the bathroom of the high school and uh, we're doing it and we go back to class Well, she got called to her counselor's office. And, um, her father was a drug addict and she broke down in front of her, her counselor and told her counselor that, um, she had used, and then I had also used. And so they come, they come look for me while well, Nicole's in the bathroom again. <laughs> and, um, and luckily, well, I mean, I I got rid of it before I got caught and, and that was my first foray with rehab and um in meetings. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm six fifteen at this time, fifteen or sixteen. And when my mom and dad found out about it, they were furious. Um you know, and then and confused and scared. So the school recommended I either go to IOP or I go to, I get expelled. So I went to IOP. Um, My parents didn't have a whole lot of money, so it was very, very costly for them. Um, In addition to that, I started going to 12-step meetings. And the feeling that I got from sitting at the table, of course, it was nerve-wracking at first But to see a group of adults being so vulnerable and honest about how they really, really felt was totally new to me.
1: Man, and you were just a baby going in there. They I had was to a be baby. like, golly, you probably had to think that there were ancient people sitting around you.
0: I did. Well, I don't know if that likes any better.
1: <laughs> was that was there
0: anyone even
1: near your age
0: when you went in there? There were a few people that were okay. Yeah. Um. But uh, the, not many, you know. And here I am. I thought I was cool, the coolest kid in town. I'm sitting at a table, of adults smoking cigarettes because you could back then mm-hmm. at the table. <laughs> oh my goodness! Drinking the the strongest coffee in the world, you know. <laughs> right? so my, Jet fuel. Fifteen year old problems. Oh you my know? gosh. And they listened and they didn't judge. They didn't make me feel small. They didn't make me feel like my problems were not real or important. Um, that was the first sense that I had that, and, and my recovery is 12 step base, We'll get there. Um, <laughs> but uh, that was my first, my first entrance into the rooms and, I got a sponsor and I worked through a few steps. Um, and then I think I, I don't know why I just kind of stopped going. I drifted away from it. Um, and I moved on, but like, um, you know, that addict brain didn't stop. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, the psychic change did not happen at that point as we like to say in 12 steps. So, um, Let's see. So I got there high school. I had some good jobs right out of high school. I worked for United Airlines. Um, Oh, can I say these brand names? I I think you're fine. Yeah, I think
1: you're fine.
0: Okay. I don't work there anymore. I think you're fine. (laughs) So um, I was a reservations agent and it was going pretty well. Um, But the company changed while I was working, you know, the early 2000s and a lot of things were happening. Um, 9-11, it just happened. The mm-hmm. world was weird. You know, it was a very confusing time. I had friends going off to war in Iraq and Afghanistan and dying. Um, um, I graduated in 2003. So that was right there, right then. Um, and I just, I, I, I drank a lot. I mean, I, I was a binge drinker. Um, Very clearly early on, I I mean, I didn't drink every day, but when I did drink, I drank to, I mean, oblivion. Um, And I was always looking for that next high, that next party. Um, All my friendships were very surface level, all party based. Mm -hmm. Um, I had no ambition to go on to college or anything, um, mostly because I didn't think I could do it. Um, I didn't think I would be able to finish because you know, history of not finishing things I start, so I just worked. Um, and then in let's see, so in 2005, I got hooked up with my son's father. We had grown up together, um, we knew each other, like I said, our whole lives, and we started dating, and um we weren't careful and I got pregnant and he decided he wasn't ready to do the parent thing when I was about eight months pregnant. Um, but we still keep in contact. Um, so I raised my son pretty much on my own. Well, with the help of my parents, my parents always lived within a mile of me. Um, my mom was like my second parent, Mm. so I should not I I parented him alone in his early years that's not true my mom was right there um so like I got hyper focused on being you know I was terrified of being a parent um but I got hyper focused on doing that and trying to do all the right things you know I was so afraid I'd screw up you know, his early life that I chose not to breastfeed because I'm sh- felt for sure there was something wrong with me that I would pass it on to my mm-hmm. child if I hadn't already passed on whatever, you know, through, through, through biologically, just by him being my son. So, um, anyhow, he's, uh, he was born in 2007, um, I just put my nose to the grindstone and worked. Um, I dated when he was about two years old, a guy that it was super toxic. He, um, he left a lady that he had just had a child with and showed up, you know, our, we were just hooking up and he decided he wanted to come live with me and I was so sick and I said, yes. So him and I that was a a short-term thing. Um, at one point my brother moved in with me. Um, my brother had been, has a long history of drug addiction, alcoholism. Also, um, he was using and, and, um, he was living with his in-laws and crashed a vehicle of theirs. And instead of you know, I should be telling his business, but he probably won't watch this. Instead <laughs> of taking consequences, he decided to run away to my house. Mm. Anyhow, so chaos—just chaos all over. And then the boyfriend and I were doing cocaine, um, so that got brought back into my life. And with a two-year-old child, um, he—it um, was just not good. He did end up leaving me. And which was for the better, and then my brother I got my brother ended up taking off too shortly after moving in with me as well. So I was back to my son and I, um, still not knowing how to manage my feelings, my stress, um, not feeling like my feelings were valid. I didn't think to go back into the rooms at the time, um. At all, it was just, you know, I, in my mind, I cured it. You know, I I put out the fire of that emergency mm-hmm. and now it wasn't there. So I didn't need AA anymore, or, you know, or another 12-step fellowship. So um, going on to like 2015, um, I purchased my own home. Um, I was back to binge drinking when I drank. Um, met a neighbor. She introduced me. I, I, after, let me back up. After one night of drinking, I asked her if we could get some cocaine and she brought me some crack. So we did that. And that led on to a year of that and hiding that mostly unsuccessfully from my family. Um, had a short rehab stint. Um, and then I got out, met a guy who I thought was the love of my life in AA. Within like a couple of months of being sober, um, that was not happily ever after, as you could imagine. (laughs) So he, um, you know, we, we relapsed together and, um, one pivotal point of that story was, you know, we had relapsed. I asked him to leave. He left you know under the guise of me quitting and you know we can't see each other because we're both addicts i kept using mm. and i <laughs> i'll never forget one night and i was working one night i spent one whole paycheck on drugs and I let it I let an unsavory character into my house where my son was sleeping um at the in the morning when I was still up um I thought well if I take a shower maybe I'll feel better and well enough to drive him to school so I took a shower and I'm and it's like four or five o'clock in the morning and and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I just took the money that I earned that was to take care of my son and I smoked it. It's gone. I just betrayed my child. And so I said to God, I said, I said, God, should I keep going or should I kill myself? Should this be it? Because life was just extremely unmanageable. Um... I didn't, I didn't know how to be in the world. I didn't know how to manage my emotions. I didn't know what a healthy relationship looked like. I would, it was hard. I love my son and I took excellent care of him. You know, we had roof over our head, he always had food. He was, you know, but I was not for years even up to before the drug use I could not be present for him. Mm -hmm. I would read him a story and I couldn't wait for it to be over and for him to go to sleep. You know, and it it had nothing to do with him. It was just me being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I felt shame about that. And. All I wanted to do was, you know, I wanted to end the night either, you know, in oblivion of watching TV or eating something or, you know, I couldn't wait just to turn the day off and the feelings off. Um, so I took my son to school that, that morning and I drove myself over. I didn't hear God but I, I ran through the tape of what it might look like for my son's future if I wasn't around anymore. So maybe I did hear God. Mm. <laughs> just didn't, didn't realize it at the time. So I get over to rehab. I spent three days. You know, I really couldn't. The Rehabs were really like 30 day stints were really hard to find in Illinois. So all I needed to do was to go to the psych ward for a few days. And I did, and I got out, and um, I served attending AA again. Still didn't get a sponsor. Still didn't do anything that they recommended. Um, and I stayed as long as the emergency and the crisis felt fresh in me. Mm-hmm. And then once it did, it that went away. I kind of fell off again. Right. So. Um, Jumped to two thousand sixteen. We, d- we decide to moved in Nashville, which is where we're at now. Um, my son's like nine. Um, I was still sober up to that point. Um, huge change for us, you know. The you know, it's just a different life down here. Um, and my son is is away from his whole support network. Um, well, we did have my, aunt. we do have my aunt and uncle here. So that was cool. And he did end up making some friends and the area that we moved to in Nashville just turned out to be a huge blessing for him. He just thrived in the school there. He had, you know, it was a little higher socioeconomic class of folks, you know, um, and two parent homes and a lot of structure compared to where we're from, which is not that way. Mm-hmm. Um and and that is important. Um so anyhow, in my opinion. So anyhow, um he did really well. And um let's see two thousand let's see, what was it? 2019, we get a, de- a call from my mom. Well, my mom had been having some leg pain. Um, and and I talked to my mom like every day throughout this whole thing. Um, you know, throughout my whole life, really, I called my mom every day. Hey, how's it going? Whatever. You know, when we lived in Chicago. She would stop in quite often. She worked in the neighborhood. Um, like I said, she was my son's second parent. Mm-hmm. I get a call from her um, after she had had this leg pain saying that she had stage four cancer. And all I could think was, who am I without her? I didn't trust my feelings. I didn't trust my place in the world. She always, she was my... She was the person that I touched base with on everything. Who am I if she doesn't make it? So I threw myself into exercise, which is not a bad coping skill, <laughs> with my aunt. Um, and then um, at the end of the year in December of, um, of 2019, they had a benefit for her. Her work did. It was very apparent that she would never return to work um they had an open bar well open for me bar because i was part of her family um and i had a friend that had a bag of cocaine yeah so that weekend while i was there for her benefit i was just i was not present i was drunk or high the whole time my mom um, had waste, she'd always been, I mean, we're not small people, but, uh, she had wasted away to like nothing. Um, she was so sick and I didn't know how to handle it. Um, and my, my dad and my brother weren't doing well emotionally either. And it was just hard. And my mom didn't want to talk about it. My dad, nobody wanted to talk about it, how we were feeling, So I escaped. I said, fine, we're not going to talk about it. I didn't make that conscious decision that Mm -hmm. I just was going to get drunk. (laughs) So um, I remember that Christmas, I I was supposed to fly out that Christmas day to come back home, and I I was still drunk and high that morning. I didn't sleep prior to I didn't sleep um, at all on the trip. And my mom wanted to do gifts together. And I just, I was a crab, I was a jerk. Um, It was not cool. Um, And I couldn't tell anybody what was going on with me. So get on the plane, go back home. Um, I didn't have any access to anything here besides the alcohol. Um, and at the time I always said, well, I'm a social drinker. <laughs> I don't drink by myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> but when I do socially, I binge. I never admitted that part. So, um, I, uh, I started drinking. I started drinking heavily when I got back home. Um, I started having panic attacks and I remember, um, driving down the highway and it, here you drive down the highway to get everywhere. I felt like my arms and legs were giving out on me, and I was going to pass out. I didn't know what it was. I'm going to the hospital. Find out just anxiety. Um, and then I remember what made me feel better. And at the time, I was working as a uh, in a restaurant in the kitchen. And I'm like, oh, light bulb! There's always drugs in kitchens. <laughs> so. Uh, i um, not to give anybody clues <laughs> anyway um, so I looked for the cocaine and I found it and um, and back using my addiction and my alcoholism just flared and went full fledged so um, but it was expensive and, and I didn't have that kind of money to be went on drugs and alcohol um, so I tried, I thought, well, you know, I've quit before I can do it again. And, um, I tried to do it on my own and that did not work, um, at all. Um, I went to, uh, I went to a few meetings, um, And and then COVID hit big time, and then I couldn't go to meetings. And then I tried to do a few online, and I just I felt so alone. And I had told my aunt and uncle about it, um, but unfortunately, my my uncle has heart disease, and and they didn't want anyone around. You know, so... And I really didn't have any friends in the town that we were in. Um, so I felt very, very isolated. And then, you know, I did what I know works to make me feel better. I used and I drank. And um, isolation. And, you know, that yet of, oh, I don't drink on my own changed real quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um Um, you know, it just got messy and it got messy fast. And then at one point I met somebody, I was being really reckless. I, you know, my supply had kind of dried up from one person that I was getting things from. And and I started meeting people online to purchase things from. And I met somebody who had a different substance and, um, um, which is methamphetamine. Mm. Um, and I started doing that and the first time I did it I was like I had this conscious awareness when I came down off of that drug this could really ruin my life this could really damage my brain Um, this is different from anything I've ever done it took several days it took like a week for me to feel sort of normal after the first time of using it. So I swear I'm like, you know, maybe this one's not for me. Well, um <laughs> um how long did that last? I decided Yeah, like two weeks. Okay, I was just I thought you were getting there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh. it was about two weeks and there was a guy attached to it and I had a good time with him and and he made me feel good and I didn't have to think about anything. You know, if I was on that and, and I was working, um, I had two jobs at the time, a full time job Monday through Friday and then uh, the restaurant job on the weekends. I was exhausted all the time. That cured the problem of being exhausted mm-hmm. from my house was clean. I was losing weight and people were telling me how good I looked. Um, I was I was I was attentive. I was uh i felt attractive you know um i thought i had found the perfect thing and um i used so let's see i used that from um september august And I met a a variety of characters. Um, I used mostly at home. Um, My son noticed, obviously noticed my strange behavior. Not going to sleep. Being out all night. um, Things like that. Um, In January, I... I, And getting kind of paranoid. I was starting to get paranoid. Um, In January... I got a batch that was laced with other things and, um, and on top of sleep deprivation and probably malnutrition and all the things that go along with it, dehydration. Uh, I went into psychosis. And I didn't get, my son didn't see me in full-blown psychosis. I just didn't go home. I walked around my town. Um, I I was seeing things that weren't there. You know but if you know what psychosis mm-hmm. is, it's it's intense. What you see, you believe. It's your reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, he called a friend. He went and stayed with them. And I had broken my phone, and so he couldn't get a hold of me. Finally, I found out where he was. And um uh, my friend had taken him in and you know, um, she knew that I was home I had made it back home and she was gonna go get my dog and try and get me to go to rehab. Um, she had the, by the grace of God, I mean she was so such a wonderful friend. She took my son to school and all this on on this particular day that I'm about to tell you about. Um she took she took him to school. She came to see me, and try and talk me to go to rehab. And she called the police because she didn't know what she was gonna encounter. So, she comes with the police. The police find out that there is a child involved, and DCS gets involved. So this was the twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one. Got yeah. it. Got it. Or twenty? No, that would be twenty. Yeah. Tw- 2021. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's right. Sorry. So anyhow, uh, DCS gets involved and they decide that they're going to take my son into custody until they can. Yes. Until they can mm-hmm. determine what, what forced me to do a drug test. Um, although I hadn't committed any crimes, they were suspicious of drug use. Mm hmm. So they, you know, they said, either you drug test or we get a court order for a drug test. So they did that and they took my son. Um, another miracle occurred. Um, his friends, his good friend's parent parents had been going through foster care training. Oh, wow. Yeah. And um, I dropped Ernie and they took, they took him in Um. So, and then with my parents being out of state, they couldn't come get him, which is, I believe is also another blessing. Um, so they had him and, 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 you know, I'd like to say, so I went to, I went to, uh, the hospital, the psych ward. I spent about nine days there. I'd like to say when I got out, I stayed sober. (laughs) I did not. Um, Went to IOP for about a month. Started having uh, supervised visitation, and let me tell you, when you know you've raised a child on your own, um, when somebody tells you that you're not a good parent, man, it's a gut punch time, isn't it. It totally is a gut punch, man. And and you know, I got The the first time I talked to My DCS caseworker, I have to say this. Um, She was a beautiful human. She called me when I was in the psych ward, and she says, Nicole, she goes, you're having a hard time right now. She goes, don't let anybody ever tell you that you're a bad person.
1: Oh, wow. You're
0: just having a hard time. And we're here to help you. And... I felt so comforted, you know, but I was still so scared.
1: You know, you hear
0: horror stories about people's children. They take it away. And then all of a sudden this paranoia about I'll never get my child back. Um, and then I'm on top of the feelings of being feeling inadequate anyway, in mm-hmm. life, you know? Um, so, so he's at his friends. I get out, um, I go. I'm going to IOP. Um, I found a stash I had hidden for myself. I used. Yeah. Um, and I'm glossing over so much because just so much. There's so many emotional nights and 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 just so much heartbreak and confusion during this whole time. And you know, I I'm I'm home and and my house is empty and my son's not there. And, and I just want to cave in on myself. I just want, I don't know what to do. Um, and I felt like I was never going to get out of that nightmare. I just, you know, I felt like I felt so small Mm. and I felt this, this powers, the powers that be, you know, I had no chance. You know, and I felt like my brain and also, I mean, my brain is damaged at this point because I'd been doing methamphetamines and I had I had been malnourished. Mm-hmm. I was not eating, you know, all that, too. So how am I going to, you know, keep this straight to get through this? I didn't I didn't have any ideas, you know. and, um, So I. I went to the IOP. I started going to meetings. Um, um, I did not get a sponsor. (laughs) Um, But I stuck around and I kept going. Um, But every 30 days I would relapse. Like clockwork during that first six months of my son being in foster. Um, I made really good friends with my caseworker, and told her when I was available to come drug test. So I kind of figured out Mm -hmm. how How to to play the system, how to play the system. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I go and and I pass and, and um, my foster mom at one of our court hearings, she remembered that they had suggested that I do a hair follicle test prior to me getting um, the temporary custody of my son back for, you know, a 90 day temporary whatever they call it. uh, Trial trial period. period. Mm -hmm. And um, let me tell you, I was not happy with her. (laughs) With her suggestion. (laughs) With her suggestion and all. Um, And uh, to be honest, I was high that day. All the court appearances were telehealth uh, or, you know, Zoom. Right. So I didn't have present for any of them I didn't I wasn't in person I was still hiding I felt like I was able to hide behind Mm -hmm. what was going on um so when she brought that up I said you know it might be a good time for for me to go to rehab and um yeah that's what I did. I'd like to say that uh, it worked out great and happily ever after, but that's not the story. Um, I got to rehab, and it was hard. It was, um, it was, it it was interesting. It, it was a good program. Um, however, at one point, I was challenged. Um, to deal with my feelings and my emotions. We had had a little loss. Uh, I won't get into too much of it, but I got into a little scuffle, not scuffle, but a uh, disagreement with one of my housemates. Um, and I had a camp counselor say to me, you know, um, you were very animated in your response to the situation, Nicole. Maybe you shouldn't get your son back. Ooh. So I told them I'm gonna need a minute, and I walked away. And I came back, and or I stood in the hallway, and I, my therapist said, if you don't come back in this room, we're gonna have to discharge you. You need to face this, and I couldn't. I said, if I go back, I'm gonna say not not nice things. But the reality of somebody saying that I wasn't being... Because I wasn't being a good parent. I wasn't. Right. But, but the reality of someone saying that to me, that if I didn't work on my stuff, then your odds, you know, are not great. I couldn't handle it at the time. So I stood in the hallway and they discharged me um, <laughs> and um, I ended up um, leaving. I called my lawyer and all that right away and I got into sober living. Um, and that was a battle. Um, so I got through that. And, um, and you know, there's a lot of, lot, lot of small trials and tribulations throughout that period and a lot of growing up. And, and and what's so beautiful is it all happened with all of this happened within such a short period of time. I'm so grateful for that. Um, you know, I lost my son in January and and I did have him back by October. So, you know, that's that's a testament to things can work mm-hmm. if we get if we work on our stuff, um, but it wasn't easy. Um, so, so anyhow, um, he, he came back home with me. I I got in a place, um, and he came back home with me for the trial period. Um, things went pretty well. Um, we had gotten, so we were living in this, in the, the sober living owner's apartment that she had that she rented out my son and I, and she gave us like a, <laughs> a 30 day notice. Um, after I had gotten him back for the trial period, she gave us a 30 day notice to vacate because she was going to be turning that into a men's sober living house. Mm. So I was like, I, well, I know I'd had him for about a month at that point. So I was about a month away from getting full custody back for my son And I had to look for an apartment with um, no credit because I had ruined that. I hadn't paid my bills properly um, when I was using. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hardly any money. Um, And in a really, really tight rental market in Nashville. Um, The cost of living is, is, you know, is just like everywhere. It's pretty high right now. And... And then the fact that if I didn't have a stable living situation, I wasn't gonna be able to get my son right. back. I was terrified. Um so um at this point I had been going to meetings, I had made some connections, um, I did have a sponsor, I forgot to mention that. Okay, that's a big one. <laughs> I, I didn't say I, I don't think it's that's okay, that's sorry. a big <laughs> one. <laughs> it's so much it's am trying to fit I, I
1: know, I know.
0: It's crazy. <laughs> experience in in a short amount of time but um i did have a sponsor at the time um she was great i'm calling her you know i started working the steps of my 12-step program i'm calling her every day um and i'm telling her gosh you know this housing situation's not looking good i don't know what i'm gonna do She's like well i i said you know it I might as well give up. She's like, well, if you relapse, you know, make sure you come back. I love you. I'm here for you. Come back. And, you know, but she, she kept, she kept with me the whole way. So I get everything. We find a place, um, through a friend. Um, I we get into it. Him and I, my son and I, we moved all my belong, our belongings into this place ourselves. Um, which next time I'm hiring movers <laughs> cuz <'Cause>, no <laughs> so um we get back in here we, we move everything in and and he's miserable um my son's miserable he didn't want to be out here where we're at we're in the country now mm. and, and he was far away from his friends he was you know he was you know f- 15 at the time um, he wasn't driving, so we were about an hour away from where he was- where he grew up basically and um I just wanted to make him happy you know and and I had this thought like I went through all of this to get us back together, you know um and you're gonna be miserable, you know, I had this huge resentment against him he had against me um. I complained to anybody who would listen about how tired I was and how I didn't want to unpack. Um, and then, um, I went back out. He was, I got him back full time. Um, our court cases were done and I relapsed. I felt like, you know, I was overwhelmed. I didn't know how to deal with my feelings. still, and, um, I decided to use over it. Um, I thought that I needed that to have the energy to be able to unpack and make this house nice for him so he would be happy. I didn't know that my feelings were actually... were actually... Um, I didn't know that my feelings were actually bringing me down and... and causing and not working through my stuff, not actually asking people for help Mm -hmm. instead of just complaining. Um, I had no solution. If you don't tell people what's going on and what's wrong, right. Can't Work through that. So, um, I relapsed and it was held. Um, it lasted one day And the next day I called my sponsor and she had me come over to her house and we sat down and we talked about, you know, what I really wanted. And if I really wanted to get serious about a new way of life. And if I wanted, if I was happy, I was happy in the way things were going. And, and, um, and we talked about powerlessness and unmanageability and um at that moment um I was I was so ashamed walking up to her house but leaving I felt so much better um and it was around that time that I decided to go start going to church um my friend well my friend I called her as well and then I had met in the rooms and she invited me to this church out by her and we went and I felt so comfortable there. And so my, my new journey official re-entry into recovery that has led to almost two years being sober, um, coincided with my entry into the church. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't really grow up religious. I, there was none of that in the house. So I had no kind of concept of God or anything. Mm-hmm. Um so I got to build that in this program that I'm in. And um it's been just it's been life changing. Um it's been amazing. So anyway, um now I'm like sorry, I'm now like I'm almost two years sober. Congratulations. Um, uh, Thank you. It's a miracle. It really is. Um, I've been through my steps several times. I sponsor women. I now work um, as a peer support professional. And help people in the world are you know my area, not the world. I'd love to help everyone in the world. right <laughs> that's what I was speaking out to one Madison. person at a time that's right um, one person at a time um so um yeah i I cannot believe that I'm here um i maybe that's not the right words. you know, I could have never imagined. What the diligent work and recovery, what the what gifts would come from it, mm. you know, I just thought, I've always felt like whatever other people had, I was not worthy of having. Oh, wow, yeah. So, you know, going into the rooms and watching people be so joyous and free and, and laugh
1: serene. who laughs you you clearly were not the alcoholic addict that I was if you're laughing because there's nothing right. to laugh about right I remember <laughs> thinking that too just thinking and they would be talking about the most bizarre crap you know got my hand cut off ha, 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 and just laugh and it's like why are you people you know they were just they were they were they had joy I didn't know yeah. what that was. I didn't know what that was.
0: I didn't either. All foreign. Uh, yeah, foreign. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Seriously, yeah. So, uh, you know, I found a good group also, you know, um, what we call a home group, somewhere that I like to go. Um, people know me. Um, they know, you know, if something's going on with me, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I I isolate many others. I isolated a ton in in addiction, you know? And so today I find, I can't believe it, but I find so much joy in being around others. I didn't think, I didn't think I'd like to be with so many people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. How's your son doing? He's doing really good. Um, our relationship, it took, it's taken some time. Sure. You know, you know, to mend. Um, we've had our ups and downs. he He's dealt with his own mental illness. Um, depression mostly. And, um, but we've always been really open about talking about these things. Oh, good. What's going on with us. Right. And, um, you know, I didn't tell him about my relapse at first. Um, I got right back on the horse of, of uh, recovery and I just kept going at it. Well, then I noticed like it came to the point where I needed to make amends and um, telling him he was going through a lot and he was very angry and telling him about what i had done and saying you know and explaining to him like it's just you know i it's got nothing to do with you it's got to do with me you know he thought that you know he he's always been an old soul he thought that like you know my stress was caused from being a parent Mm. took that on and so explaining to him that he was not the problem and making amends to him for my wrongs that I had done and asking for forgiveness you know was one of the touchstones of us coming back together as a family Mm. and today like through the work that I've done um I'm not uncomfortable as much with being present with him i mean i still sometimes have the moment where i just you know i get home and i want to just okay no stimulation for anybody Quiet time quiet time, <laughs> yep. time. No, i get it but um we sit down and we talk we go for long rides you know car rides have always been our thing it's a great time to just chat and catch and up. be yeah well i, I love
1: what you said nicole about how um you started out where you said you your parents, you didn't have the, the relationship where you could talk to your parents about drugs. And it's like, and now what I hear you saying is that you are being that parent to your son where it's like, this is this is part of, you know, because, because say what you will, you know, the, the science shows that we got a genetic component to this, kid. So, so there are some odds that you might get this, you know, disease activated at some point in time. Let me share with you what it was like for me, you know, and, and show that humanity part of you to him, you know, is just beautiful to me. Yes.
0: Because
1: they, they know, and and I love what you said too, because they know, they know. And they know something's not right. So if it's left to their sweet little innocent minds to manifest whatever it actually is, and then they start carrying it, just like you said, your son did. And so it's, it's just, I think it's beautiful that you are able to unburden him with that. You know, thank you. Yeah, that's
0: an, it is important. And, and, you know, I mean, I, I don't see him, I'm, I I want to say one thing is like, he doesn't have the compulsive behaviors that I have, but, um, he did, he did start drinking a little bit at one time and it became like, he doesn't have the compulsive behaviors. Like I do like with food, which is a whole nother beast, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um,
1: but um but it's the so I tell did. you what there that beast is in the same damn family though it's in the same <laughs> family and I'll tell you Nicole and, and and to go off on a tangent real quick you know we we had a we it's it's not that meeting anymore and I kind of wish it was but we had a ladies meeting that was all um isms so O-A, D-A, mm-hmm. a's we all came into the same room And I got to tell you, I got an education on Overeaters Anonymous that I never imagined. I just, I didn't know. And yeah, honey, that vice is just as around the neck as, you know, ours ever was. Same thing. Same damn thing. For sure.
0: For sure. Um, you know, it hits the, it hits especially sugar, you know, it it hits that dopamine.
1: mm
0: -hmm. or whatever, um... And, and it fires things up um yeah um today things are things are pretty good today. I have a sweet job um you know I, I hope I related some information that could like help some people I'm all over the place I'm so you're sorry. fine
1: you're fine <laughs> you're doing just fine you're doing just fine So tell me how do you how do you start your day
0: every day? Oh, OK. So, yeah. Um, I have a, a ritual that I do that I absolutely love. Um, I have three books that I read, meditation books. One is Journey to the Heart. I think that's um, uh, Beatty. She does the Codependent mm-hmm. No More. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Language. Yeah, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Language letting go. Yes. Yeah, so good. Mm hmm. And, um, Jesus calling and an AA, um, either like the daily reflection. And then I journal, um, I get up about an hour before I really have to. And I sit and and I read these things and drink my coffee and I pray, um, and then get off to work and. And then in the evenings, I hit up a meeting and do some fellowship with folks, you know, and this journey has really, it's been amazing where I I keep finding people like one of the daily prayers that I've had is how can I serve some, you know, someone else that's still suffering Mm -hmm. and more often than not, someone crossed us and it's, it's so cool. You know, even when I really don't want to help, right? Out, right. Yep. You know? Careful what it's you like like pray for. <laughs> <laughs> right. I get what I pray for, mm-hmm. and uh, but I'm learning through so much of about myself by working with others. I had no trust with another people for so long that um, you know I this has just been such a blessing to be able to. To put myself out there and and ask people to trust me, and you know help lead them in the right direction you know? here, mm-hmm. show them what works, and then also for um, for uh, you know them to help me grow. You know I see myself in everyone that I I meet.
1: Well, I love you that know? you're I love that you're intentional in the mornings. You know this is. You know this this way of life. It it's not. It's very simple. It's very very simple. It's just mm-hmm. not easy sometimes. You know, and there's right. a, there's a big difference because there's you know, especially with a child at home, there's always something that can get your attention where you don't have that intentional foundation laying time you know, to build your day on that you just described, you know, but, but the man, the life it affords you when you're intentional about your recovery and, you know, it, as it, as intentional as we were in our using, if we just applied that to our recovery, you know, and this is, this is something we, this is, this is a way of life we get to do for the rest of our lives. I get to relate to people just like me you know, I get to be of service and there's, there is nothing like sitting with another human being and watching the, the light come on in their eyes that just, there's nothing like it, you know? Um, it's just, it's a beautiful
0: thing. It sure is. I agree. Um, and, and it's funny, it's, it's a lot of folks, when we get sober, we get on that, uh, you know, that pink cloud of, you know, really wanting to be of service mm-hmm. and how great everything. And the program's wonderful and I know all these things and I'm going to go work and I want to do everything right away right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm shy of that um, when I first got, got sober and, and I, and I definitely did not want to go work in recovery like that was the least, you know, that was last on my agenda of, of career positions. And um, I met someone in the rooms who, who she would not leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think you'd be really great, you know, working at my company. And I think you'd be, and she was a recruiter. I um, <laughs> have this vibe where, you know, your energy's great. I think you'd, you know, you'd fit in really well, and I'm like, "Oh, that's not for me. I don't want to work with people like me. I'm mm. crazy." <laughs>
1: <laughs> but who better?
0: Right, yeah. right. But who better? Yeah. I found out that, um, I found out that th- this peer model, like you said, we get to work with others just like us. This peer model is is the best thing out there you know yeah we can't
1: we can't waste our hurts we can't we can't let all of all that we've been through just sit in a closet we just can't do that we just we just can't and and still expect to have a a fulfilled life so i'm so glad that you found that how can people find you um do, do you mind if people look you up on the on facebook or anything or
0: i mean no i don't mind um my name is Nicole Cramp, Kramp, K R A M P.
1: Yeah, no, I've, I didn't. I, I know we kind of discussed briefly. I, I know, I I knew you didn't practice individual anonymity as it was.
0: No, no, no. Um, yes. Um, so that that's my name, and yes, a lot of childhood trauma from that last name um, <laughs> alone. I bet. I bet. I bet. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Um, Um, Instagram is, I think it's just, yeah, Nicole underscore cramp, carry and beat. Um, I, I love this life now and I, I hope I, I hope my message helps somebody or at least is it the very least entertaining, um, this is my first time doing it, so don't mind the nerves.
1: No, you did. You oh. did great. And, he, and here's the deal. We just, all we do, sister, is plant the seeds and we just leave it to God to do what he's going to do with the results. So, um, whoever this is intended to reach, it'll reach them. But I'm so glad that you are sober and clean. I'm so glad that you have your son and I'm so glad that I have a new sister in recovery. So stay in touch. All right, will do. All right, dear heart. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Driven Sobriety podcast. Thanks for listening to Purpose Driven Sobriety. Keep coming back.